The coronavirus pandemic has completely changed the way consumers shop. First of all, with a limited number of brick and mortar stores open and people concerned about social distancing, many have turned to e-commerce. On top of this, with millions of people now out of work, finances are playing a major role in all shopping decisions. So these are just two of the topics I discussed with Wendy Liebman, CEO and Chief Shopper of WSL Strategic Retail, which just fielded some new research on how the pandemic is impacting consumers' shopping habits. Enjoy. Welcome podcast listeners, Joe Tarnowski with ECRM here, and I have a guest with me today who needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce her anyway. It's uh, Wendy Liebman, the Chief Shopper and CEO of WSL Strategic Retail. She's also the host of the Future Shop podcast, so make sure you check that out. And today we're going to review some recent data they uh, just fielded about how the coronavirus pandemic is impacting the way consumers shop. So, uh, Wendy, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Where are you holding up? I am doing very well, thank you. I think I am going through the usual roller coaster that the rest of us are going through. We have jobs, we're working, we're very lucky about that. Um, you know, and it just make you have to make sure you're not listening to too much of the news. Yes. That could really <laughs> sink you in a big hurry. Um, so I tried not to do too much of that and uh, spend time virtually with our team who are all being amazing and really trying to kind of embrace the future, which is what we do. So I am holed up in the woods of New Jersey at the moment, which is, I feel like I've deserted New York City, sorry. Um, well, you know, that's only a for good the thing. Moment. No, no, that's only a... for the moment. We'll be back. We'll <laughs> but be nowadays, back. that's a really good thing to do. Is this, I mean, it's just, it's crazy here. There's just so many cases. Yeah. And uh, I think now New Yorkers are finally understanding the gravity of the situation. Yeah. People are yeah. staying in, you know, and uh, so it's really, you know, changed the way people are doing everything around here. Uh, the only bad thing is I'm seeing a lot of gloves that are just dumped on the sidewalk everywhere. It's interesting. We, I, we only came out yesterday, and uh, so absolutely it was that combination of, you know, the local area where I live, which is downtown, um, you know, being very empty, you know, people walking dogs, things like that, way apart from each other. Uh, but gloves, you're right, gloves and no gloves uh, everywhere, which is all yeah. fairly stunning to me. So anyway, but you're right. I think people in the city have certainly, or in the boroughs and, and, the, and the state, are really starting to understand the seriousness of this, which is a little late. Excuse my whatever. It my, is. My political view, but a little late. But here we go. Let's see what we can do. It definitely is. So uh, um, I guess to start off, for, for people who are not familiar with WSL, mm -hmm. can you give a little overview of what you guys do? And then... Uh, talk a little bit about this research that you just fielded. Mm -hmm. Yes. So our focus is all around helping clients anticipate the future. Interesting spot to be in. Um, very much focused on building retail strategy grounded in shopper insights. So we spend all our time, as you well know, talking to shoppers. So my title, CEO and Chief Shopper, is not because I shop a lot. I do, but it's my job but also because we are continually talking to shoppers in the US and globally about what they're doing, how they live their lives, and how that impacts all the things they do when they whip out their wallet or their phone and buy things. So uh, that work is 
you know, very timely at the moment. And we've just ramped up and, and refined the conversations we've been having with shoppers, um, as I say, around this country, but also with our teams globally and trying to understand what's going on with retail, what are retailers doing, how are they changing um, broadly around the world, not just in the U.S.? And, and it definitely has changed. I mean, you talk a lot about the business of well. Mm-hmm. Now, wellness is on the front of everybody's mind these right. days. Right. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that, Joe, because you're right. We um, have in our How America Shops research, which is the ongoing work we do in the U.S., uh, as you know, we've been very passionate about this sort of subject of, of health and wellness um, for a long time and studying it in depth for the last half a dozen years. And in that work, um, the grounding, the mindset, which is now being ramped up because of this virus, because of this uh, pandemic and contagion, uh, this was already there, you know, this consciousness. And I think that's the big learning we are already seeing a couple of months in is a lot of the things that are going to fundamentally drive the change coming out from the other end were things already established in the shopper's mindset and psyche uh so they are just now saying okay i was there but now i'm going to you know adjust ramp it up some turn up the volume all of those other platitudes yep yep definitely without a doubt so tell us about this research this is really really new research that you just did right it is indeed so we're as i said before in in our how america shops research we are continually um throughout the year talking to shoppers about issues that are emerging not only in their how they shop but their life so we talk about things like shopping life how do people live their life economic, political, social, technological things that impact their life and how does that ultimately inform what they buy, where they buy it and what's important to them. So uh, obviously what we did, we had been in the field uh, early in the in the year um, to do some work, but we immediately fielded some new work around the country, talked to just over a thousand shoppers, men and women, um, 18 plus at this point, major sort of spenders in the household. And we wanted to just, we wanted to, even though it's early in the piece, we felt, and we knew things were changing a lot, we felt it was really important now to benchmark how people were feeling. And fortunately, in a lot of the things we had in November, December, uh, asked a lot of these questions, not about the pandemic as such, but about economic security, about mindset around health and wellness so we had a benchmark at least from november to say what's happened between november and march so we fielded this work this last weekend and just so you know um and and your listeners know we're going to be doing this on a two-week schedule because what we know is this will change fast Uh, but also what we're doing is grounding what we're hearing now in the context of what we know Uh, And what's interesting about that is uh, we did a report back in, so, you know, now I feel like the historian of crises, you know, you think, wait a minute, this isn't the first crises we've studied. So we've been doing How America Shops work for over 25 years, excuse me, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, that's why I have my lipstick on. Uh, So there, but part of that is we went back to what I'm going to call the crises in recent times. So what we've been doing to contextualize what's going on now is we went back to our work in 2001. So coming just before and just after September 11, 
We looked at 2008, the beginning of the, of the uh, global economic crisis uh, and the recession. Uh, coming out of that, 2012, I think it was, maybe 10. Uh, and then actually there have been plenty of crises bubbling up in you know, the last 16, 17, 18, more political and social, but all of that. So we have started to go back and look at all that and say, okay, what can we learn from that? Is this totally different? Um, so that's the long and long story of the context. The work we just did was we wanted to understand a few simple things really quickly. We wanted to understand how people were feeling about their finances. How were they feeling about the threat of this virus to their lives, who was feeling most threatened, uh, if not everyone, which we found it was not everyone so far. Uh, and then we wanted to look at who were shoppers feeling like they, were, they could trust in this, what were the areas that they were spending their money on, and what were any, what were the things they were at least this moment in time already pining for. Now, that's quite early on that one. But we wanted to, again, as I say, sort of ground where we are today because two weeks from now and two weeks from then, we yep. will update all of that. So that's, the, again, the long and long story of what we did and how we contextualized some of this so we could really look to the future. Well, that's really cool that you have all of those previous crises that you can benchmark <laughs> against. So right. uh, that's going to be interesting. So, yes. so take us through some of your findings. You, mm -hmm. you started off mentioning about, uh, you know, the financial security right, and, and right. what that means to, yeah. to shoppers. Yeah, that's happened pretty quickly. Excuse me while I'm looking at the report on, on line here on my phone, actually. Um, you know, I think the thing that's happened very fast, so is that between... Uh, November, when we did our last benchmarking of this, before all this and, and the economy, the macroeconomic trends at least, were still very strong. Uh, and today, what we've seen is that 37%, um, so nearly 4 out of 10 of the national population of shoppers are now saying they're pessimistic about the future and... Um, their expectations are that things will get worse. Now, that is already up eight points from November. So we begin to see that. And I will tell you this, that at, that, at this moment, this last couple of, this last weekend, the realisation of the seriousness of this was actually not where, um, was not as high as we would have anticipated. So it's exactly what you were just saying about New York City. Um, this recognition all of a sudden that it's New York, it's Louisiana, you know, Louisiana, it's, uh, you know, other, other, other cities and, and states around the country. So I would say that number, that eight-point increase in, um, sorry, I'm getting back to my table, that eight-point increase in pessimism is pretty low. I suspect that will increase significantly um, in the next period of time. The other number we saw was that about a similar number in 2000, no, in, in um, sorry, in November of 2019, 44% of people felt financially secure and content. That number's dropped seven points. Uh, and of course, it's obvious in the sense of who, because it's, you know, lower income, 
um, is one area. But the real difference in all of these metrics, both in feeling financially secure and being concerned about the virus, are really heightened with families with kids. Yep. So um, families with kids are the ones who are most concerned about their financial um, uh, situation and also most concerned about um, the health situation. So I think that's one of the things that popped very quickly. It wasn't older versus younger. Um, necessarily, it wasn't men versus women. It was families with kids who are um, most concerned, right, you know, if, at this early point in time about what's going on. And especially with the, uh, you know, they just reported, what, 3.2 million people uh, applying right. for unemployment insurance. Right. So, and that was just yeah. yesterday. So yeah. those numbers are going to uh, drop. And, uh, and then with the family with kids, you're right. I mean, because now you're not just concerned about catching it yourself. Right. Well, one, there's a concern about catching the virus yourself mm -hmm. and not being able to provide if you're still right. working. But mm -hmm. then also you don't want to bring it home That's right. to your family too. And now that we know that, yeah, kids can get it too, right. even though it may not be as much, but they can still get it. So uh, that's yeah. going to be a big thing. I think the other piece to it all too is, of course, it's, and I see it in our own team, our own, you know, um, my own colleagues, is that, you know, families with kids are now under so much pressure because now the kids are home. Mm -hmm. If they're, if, they're fortunate, if both parents are fortunate enough to be working, that was often necessity, but both working. Now you've got parents working at home, you've got kids working, kids at home and homeschooling of some degree. And then potentially if you had some help to take care of the kids, mm -hmm. um, that could be gone. You, know, you don't want them to come into the house. No, I mean, no. yeah. And we, we've seen that internally with our own team mm -hmm. where they're juggling all that. And, and, you know, you see it. It's the one of our clients said to me the, yesterday about uh, he was on a board meeting conference call and he said, you know, you now an industry board. And he said to me, you now get to see the humanity of the people on the board. Why is that? Well, because <laughs> the kids are screaming, the dogs are barking, you know, the... I don't know, the whatever's going on, what's for dinner, you know, yeah. I can't, you know, all of that. So the pressure of that is really coming to bear, especially on people with families. So if you think about it, there are so many, the illness issues, the financial issues, just the lifestyle issues mm -hmm. that are putting tremendous pressure on those really key shoppers when you think about them. Who are the people who need to buy the things most people sell? Mm -hmm. um, with a lot of regularity, uh, and that's, that's, you know, you can sort of see hair on fire yeah. um, emojis coming out when you talk to people with kids at home. And it's interesting you mentioned that, the whole situation with the kids at home, because, mm -hmm. sure, we need the essentials, right? We need the toilet paper, we need the hand sanitizer, we need the food. But I think what, you know, is also needed are these things to keep the kids occupied, that's too. That's right. You That's know, right. hobbies, puzzles, whatever right. is going to uh, um, keep them out of your hair, you know, right. your home with them for so many right. hours that I think anything that can help distract them is yeah. also going to be needed. Yeah, I've noticed that retailers like Michael's have been mm -hmm. sending out, you know, click and collects or, you know, uh, come and get a crafting, you know, box of crafting things, come and get a box of school supplies because obviously kids are, yep. you know, trying to do their schoolwork theoretically. Um, and even some of the companies talking about, you know, how do you help kids, you know, get exercise and not just, you try to keep them away from the computer and the games yeah. at home. So how do you do that now? They're home all the time. So it is, there's, 
both opportunity but but tremendous challenge in in all of that and well, i don't get the i don't get the toilet paper thing but you'll explain it now. yeah i have no clue but <laughs> i can actually uh, explain that so all it's right. all right we've seen that before so and the homeschoolers they're the ones that are kind of have it you know they they're prepared for this already because they've already been doing that yeah yeah yes so, that's I true I don't know That's if you have true. any of them on your panel, but uh, I, I'd be interested to know how they've adjusted compared to everybody who's having their kids home all the time for the first time. Yes, well, that's exactly right. And partners and spouses and dogs and cats and all of that. And that's the other trend, right? Pets, but we'll talk about that later. So mm -hmm. anyway, mm -hmm. so that's the first sort of big headline from this work. You know, um, I will tell you that in the concerns about catching the virus, so again, um, last weekend, 48% said they were very worried, um, but 52% were not so, moderately or not worried at all. And, um, you know, obviously at that point, older were more worried than younger because that was all the media discussion and the, um, and the, the medical discussion. Uh, but as you noted, you know, now we, we are understanding that it's, we're probably all going to catch it at some point. Sorry, mm -hmm. I don't mean to be the CDC. Um, but the question is how we survive it, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, I was a little, I, I'm to blame myself. You know, two weeks ago, I was still going out with friends. Uh, right. I was thinking, you know what? I eat well. I try to take, you know, I work out every mm -hmm. day. I, you know, uh, I haven't gotten sick in six right. years. Right. So I'm thinking, well, you know what? It's, you know, but now it's a little different. Two reasons. One, you know, I really don't want to catch it at this point mm -hmm. because, you know, if I caught it two weeks ago, there's room in the hospitals today. But mm -hmm. if you catch it now and it kind of takes effect in five days, what's the hospital situation going to be yeah. like? Yeah. So now I'm extra careful yeah. just because it's a horrible time to get it. Right, right. And also I think, you know, this, these are the emotional um, issues that everybody's facing. The other piece is, and it's not just you getting it, if you're young and fit and healthy as you are, then the other part is, who are you infecting, mm -hmm. you know, and it's unseen. So we don't know who we're infecting or being infected by. So I think there's that consciousness that's beginning to emerge with people, much heightened with people with families because they see the impact uh, with kids rather. And the other, but the other is it's emerging faster and faster. So, you know, we always talk about in a time of chaos, how do shoppers rest control back? Mm -hmm. um, in fact, if you look at our website, and I know you're a great follower, uh, that's been our theme for the last two years. I said, you know, new crises, right? And yep. old crises. So that's the toilet paper issue. You know, how do I, oh my God, what can I control? Oh, heavens, mm -hmm. you know, I'll buy more toilet paper. Um, but those kinds of things that are really uh, key uh, emotional levers that people are having to deal with in this, this, this roller coaster. The other thing we're seeing, which... And, and you and I have talked about this before, I think. Um, you know, one of the measures that we look at, sort of a KPI about retailers, is not the typical, uh, not the typical measures. We, we often talk about how do I think, as a shopper, a retailer or even a brand is, cares about me. And that's especially true, so we call that caring index, and it's especially true in categories like health, but in general terms, um, we see that as a really important measure of loyalty, of trust, all of those things in good times or bad times. 
And so one of the things that we wanted to do here, because we've, we continue to do our caring scores for retailers, is we wanted to see who shoppers, who Americans felt were caring for them now um, and where that was obvious. And it, it's, it is interesting. Um, we sort of did it in a couple of different buckets. But, you know, the, the, if I look at the general who's caring for me, the highest ratings go to, not surprisingly, doctors, public service workers, urgent care clinics, neighbours and friends, and my employers. Because this is a moment when, you know, people are really looking to their employers to support them, help them through this, particularly if they've got jobs, but even if they haven't. So, and the local pharmacists. So they all sort of come in the 50 percentile up to 60 percentile. Um, governments fall down into the 40s. Um, who else? Let me just see if I could read this. Oh, internet companies down in the 30s. You know, if our Wi-Fi isn't working, we really hate them, right? <laughs> But then we went to looked at the retailer piece, the retailer segment, and perhaps not surprisingly, uh, the top rated are supermarkets and drugstores. Supermarkets, 48% of people say they, you know, care a lot, that my supermarket cares a lot for me. 46% uh, of drugstores say my drugstore cares a lot for me. And another 44% um, say they, you know, they moderately care for me. Mass merchandisers come next, about 39%. Uh, websites of brick retailers. So walmart.com, you know, fill in the blanks, target.com, costco.com, 34%. Um, and then internet pure play, a little, it's about the same number, about 33%. So what you start to see is that the physical retailers and in the categories where people really feel the need to buy the essentials, groceries, healthcare products, are at the top of the list. And that um, website, the web shopping online, which obviously has had a huge surge, which we've seen, uh, fall down about mm, six to seven points below that, uh, but, but certainly in the running, but still not as high as a physical store, which is interesting. Yeah. And, and you could see just, you know, the way, especially the grocery stores have really stepped up. Yeah. And they're really, I mean, yeah, sure, there's out of stocks, but they're doing everything they can to replenish them. Yes. I've talked to some uh, uh, buyers that, you know, they're working 20-hour days. Right. They're, you know, in the stores, in the warehouses. Right. Even if they're not in the food categories or the That's essentials right. categories, they're pitching in. That's they right. got the senior hours, you know, yeah. so... They've just done amazing, uh, an amazing job of stepping up. So I can yes. definitely see that. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting the e-commerce because I know uh, you have, uh, 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 you did some research on the online shopping. Right, right. But it was interesting how the e-commerce was a lower score. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because think about the two categories that people are now really focused on buying: groceries and healthcare products. Mm -hmm. And both of those categories have been fairly low in the adoption, in shoppers adopting those categories to buy online. Mm -hmm. As much as the discussion around Amazon Fresh or Walmart and grocery, uh, the majority of Americans are still buying those categories, health and grocery products, in store. Mm -hmm. So when I'm thinking about the essentials I need today, what we're seeing is shoppers going back to the places they're used to buying them and those physical retailers certainly 
stepping up, as you said, in really significant ways, people appreciating that. But where we are seeing the online piece shift up is the number of people who are obviously buying online, buying those categories online, but buying them for the very first time. Mm -hmm. So people who've never, who've bought other things online, um, you know, everything from sort of music to clothes to kids stuff to furniture, who have never bought everyday essentials online are now buying them for the first time. And one of the things we know from that is that once that begins, mm -hmm. that doesn't go away. Yep. Yeah. We saw that after the recession. Somebody said to me the other day, one of our retail clients said to me the other day, well, this is different because, you know, 2008 people weren't shopping online, you know, at all or very much. And we went back and said, no, 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 that's wrong. Actually, people were. This is when, you know, we started to see the really big increase of shopping mm -hmm. online. but it was the sort of what I call the second wave. The first wave was, you know, with the growth of the internet and people buying books and doing travel and things like that. The second wave was 2008 when people started looking for the lowest price because yep. they were coming in and out of, you know, into the depths of the recession. So they started to go online looking for the best price they could get and it was very discount driven. That was the next big lift. And we saw categories like beauty and, you know, personal care appliances and other categories, pets, supplies start to move up. This one, here we are, let's say a decade, 12 years later, and now we're going to see those categories which didn't, had not yet moved online in significant ways really move up. And that is food, groceries related. We're seeing things like beer, you know, alcohol, which... Yes. Clearly, everybody's please. When when is the afternoon cocktail? Could it be ten thirty in the morning? Okay. Those sort of things. Um, but also healthcare products, OTCs, these sort of acute remedies that people you know just ran to the store to get because they had a headache or allergies or something. Now all of a sudden, that's going to start to move up the ladder online as well. So that's this next big shift, and that is we can I can comfortably say that is not going to go away. So once this is all done and we're past this, mm -hmm. those shoppers are going to continue online. So it's important for these retailers to make sure that they're continuing to up their game. And I, Yes. And I think the big issue to that at the moment is the fact that um, some of the traditional grocery retailers and the uh, uh, drugstore retailers have actually been not that great at doing online providing online access. Um, they've all been doing it, uh, but for the most part, because of their convenience, people have not either wanted it or the service level has not been so amazing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's been an issue. And so the key here now is how quickly can they ramp that up? Because that's a whole other kettle of fish, right? Yep. In terms of logistics, distribution, uh, so that's a big issue now and not to disappoint the shopper now when they really, really need this will be a big issue because then people will immediately go back to the Amazons of the world, walmarttarget.com who've been investing a lot, but for more the traditional grocery and drugstore retailers, um, the big, even the big chains, that's been, that's not been, uh, really something that they invested in to the same degree because they didn't feel they needed to now they need to if they want to be part of this next revolution yep yep and speaking of the next revolution mm -hmm. <clears throat> now you know what can 
what can uh, companies do now to kind of address these consumers moving forward? What's the mm -hmm. best way mm -hmm. to, you know, stick through this, but then also prepare for these changes that are going to be happening? Yeah. You know, I'll tell you a sort of soft and gooey emotional thing, which I think is really important. Uh, it's a resonance we saw out of 2008, have seen over this last couple of years. One, of the, one key thing is, are you emotionally connected with them? Which means, have I showed them in these really difficult times that I care about them? Mm -hmm. Because people, shoppers have long memories, as you know, and particularly in times of crisis, we care as shoppers about how do you treat your employees and how do you treat me? And I think one of the things that is really important, and I mean, you see retailers like Costco who have always stood out in their, um, the way they treat their employees with, you know, salaries and healthcare and other benefits. Um, it's always viewed as the kind of place I want to shop because they're good to their people and they're good to me. It's not just about the prices. Mm -hmm. So this is a moment where the first thing in, it's how am I treating my people? How am I treating my staff? How am I, whether I have to lay people off or not, which will happen, but how am I as a partner in crisis in, with my own people and then how am I as a partner in crisis with the people who I expect to spend money with mm -hmm. me. And so that's, a, that's a, an underpinning of all this. So what, I'm really, what we're really going to be looking at as we move through this is what do the caring scores look like? You know, how do they care? We've done a lot of benchmarking of that over time. So we're going to be able to see what the levers are to drive those caring scores. And I will tell you, the opportunity is tremendous because as you, I think, know from discussions with us earlier, um, one of the things we have seen when we asked more specific questions about how do which retailers um, show they care about my health and wellness more, most of the major retailers in this country fell below the 50%, mm -hmm. 50 percentile. Uh, the top ones were interestingly Costco and Aldi because they were seen as people that delivered on everything from convenience to value to, um, you know, nice people take care of me, healthier options, all of those sorts of things. Uh, treat their people well, treat me well, all of those things. So, but the drugstores, the big boxes were, you know, mass merchandisers were way down in the 30 percentiles. So there is lots of room to improve that. So that's one thing. Do you care for me? The other is this whole drive around um, recognition as, to, as you started this about being well. And that was something that was increasingly ingrained in this national population, not just, you know, those of us who stand on our right foot and pretend to do yoga. Um, that was something that we were seeing growing populations across ages, incomes, ethnicities, gender, talking about as this sort of fundamental desire to be healthier, to be to feel good about myself and my community. And so that's the next big thing in all of this. It is what am I doing to, whether it's healthier options, whether it's uh, less stressful shopping experiences, whether it's easier information, whether it's nicer people, all of those things within the context of what a retailer or a brand can deliver become really important now because that's going to be a big priority for shoppers moving forward. How do I take care of my own health and wellness? Yep. Um, and we've seen that in categories. You know, we've seen that in everything from, you know, uh, 
from, as I said, pets, you know, because that's all about health and wellness, the emotional, you know, connection to something, but, but also immune systems, um, you know, it's, it's vitamins, nutritionals, healthier food, all of those. So yep. that's the, the next big the next big thing that we can pretty much guarantee is going to continue. It was foundational. Um, this sort of caring, I think we're going to see this next wave of, first of all, I panicked. Or first of all, I didn't panic. Then I panicked. Then I bought up all the toilet paper in the world um, and canned whatever and pasta sauce. And then all of a sudden I realized things like, and I'm the voice of the shopper, but also myself. Then all of a sudden you say to yourself, Oh my God, when was I last at the hairdresser? Oh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Oh my heavens, when was I last at the hairdresser? Uh, what will my hair look like? Hello, my natural gorgeous red color. Wow, when are the roots going to start showing and what do I need to do about that? Somebody said to me yesterday, oh, what about waxing? I said, wear long pants, don't worry. <laughs> um, you know, things like this where all of a sudden the, the, the heightened emotion of the everyday and life-saving Slow down, slows down a little, and now we start to think about the um, maybe more amusing, but equally as important things around lifestyle issues. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the other thing we're going to see, and we're going to start to see this in the next couple of weeks, once people are really inside, really inside. So the stock up we've seen and the extraordinary sales we're seeing in certain categories. Um, when they start to plateau because now people have them and now they're staying in, uh, that will, we're going to see that slow down too. So it's going to be this continuing roller coaster of um, moments in time where we feel like we have a little control as shoppers and then we realize we don't again. Um, and it's sort of the, this is the best of times, was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Charles yep. Dickens, thank you. Uh, but we're going to see that too moving forward. Excellent. Well, you know what? I definitely, we definitely should do a follow-up to this, mm -hmm. maybe in two weeks or mm -hmm. uh, a month down the road to see how okay. this all plays out. Mm -hmm. And uh, when is this research going to be published and, and where can they find it? So they're going, to find, they're going to be able to access it through our website, www.wslstrategicretail.com. Sorry, it's so long. Um, We'll be talking about it on our Future Shop podcast more and more, so they'll access that. We're also going to be doing the, uh, seems to be doing a webinar and streaming of the research as well, so people will access that. And then we'll be updating it. It'll be sort of a constant flow, more focused on what's the context, what does it mean now, and really what does it mean for the future, because that's the work we do, you know, and helping people anticipate it in practical ways. Excellent. Well, we will uh, share that information and, and keep everybody uh, uh, up to date on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I look forward to being able to actually see you again in person in your offices one of these days. <laughs> that would be lovely. I look forward to it too. I say be well since we can't give each other a hug. I suppose yep. we could virtually. I'm finding people finding new ways to greet people. That, you know, an Asian sort of, I would not allowed to say that, a, you know, a formal bow. A, oh, you know, one of these. Just, one you know. of those. Oh, I'm yeah. not, I, don't, I really don't like this. I can't. Yeah, I, I, don't could like never, I could never get this high five. <laughs> so I'm never getting this. So I will do you, um, you know, be well, dear Joe. All right, you too as well. Uh, thank you again. Cheers.